everyone, and welcome to the Sojourn College podcast, where we engage in God's Word in a way that transforms us. I'm Kyle, and I'm on staff here at Sojourn College, and today I have uh, not one, but two guests, uh, both who are on staff here at Sojourn College, Brooke Swift and Ellen Adkins. So what's up, y'all? Y'all want to introduce yourselves? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, it's good to be here, Kyle. Thanks for having us. This is Ellen. I'm Brooke. Hey, Kyle. (laughs) What's up? What's up, y'all? Um, Thanks for joining us. And uh, before we get started into the content, uh, don't you guys have some some news for us that you want to share? Yes, we some do. Sad news. So yeah, it is some sad news, but happy at the same time. Yeah, so it's both. Brooke, yeah, Brooke and Slater and I are moving to Charlotte, North Carolina to be a part of Citizens Church, um, which is a Sojourn Network plant started by former Sojourn College staff. Obviously, we're so excited to be a part of this new work mm-hmm. and see what God's going to do in Charlotte. But we're obviously so sad to be leaving Louisville, especially in the middle of a pandemic like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a strange way to be leaving. But yeah, like I said, we're really excited about what God has for us in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know all of us, um, at least on staff, are, are really excited for the both of you, but also um, it is it is very sad. And the note we're leaving on in the middle of the pandemic, and um, I know we're, we're losing more than just coworkers, but we're also losing friends. And um, yeah, we're going to miss y'all a whole lot. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, uh, we're picking back up in James chapter four. And um, so this week, could y'all just go ahead and give us an overview of what's going on in chapter four uh, and how James has structured this chapter to really communicate um, whatever main points he wants to communicate? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to kind of be going through the structure of the book. Um, So the book of James is just so interesting to me because it reads so much like the wisdom literature and, and even at times prophetic literature of the Old Testament Um, All throughout the Old Testament, we see people divided up into two different categories. You know, we have the wise and the fool, the faithful and the unfaithful. And this language is really echoed throughout the book of James as we see the wisdom of the world juxtaposed against the wisdom of God. So coming coming off of chapter three, we see James describing how true wisdom comes from above. He details the wisdom of the world as being unspiritual and even demonic where wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Um, So moving kind of into chapter four from that, we see that theme expanded as James gives clear teaching on how Christians ought to live in light of this wisdom. Um, So James four is broken up into two main movements. The first movement is a stark warning against embracing the wisdom of the world. So in this section, James poses the question, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Um, Which I think is such a good question uh, because I think everybody's experienced that kind of thing. And conventional wisdom really blames external things. You know, oh, it's a roommate, my family member, school, I'm stressed, there's a pandemic and all those reasons are why we have conflict in our lives. But, you know, James actually introduces the wisdom from God which reveals the source of our fighting as our own flesh being at war within us. Um, It's interesting too, because the language used in this section echoes that of the Old Testament prophets. You know, he calls them adulterous people, likening friendship with the world as a spiritual adultery against God. Um, Like the prophets, they spoke in, in such a way that would call the people of Israel back to God. And in the same way, James is calling believers back to the truth. Um, And so when posed with like these two different options of following the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of God, James's call is really clear, and that is to repent and draw near to God. Um, I think the same theme is continued in 
in the second movement when James changes the subject to address how Christians ought to understand the certainty or uncertainty of the future. Um, again, he juxtaposes conventional wisdom, which says to make plans and hold fast to them, with the wisdom of God, which says that our uh, that we are to live lives of, uh, with the understanding that we are a vapor and everything we do or do not do is because God has ordained it. So, yeah, that's, no, that's really good. Um, I think it is helpful. I mean, over and over again, as we've done the past couple podcasts, we see that there's always this parallel in James um, between the people of God and the world, right? And, and in a parallel between those who are truly religious um, and those who have a false sense of religion, those who have a true faith and those who have a false faith. Um, yeah, and that's really helpful as we read chapter four to see that James is going to continue these themes of parallels, those who are wise and those who are foolish. And so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really helpful theme to really, to really hit on uh, as we dive into chapter four uh, today. And so, Brooke, what part of chapter four uh, do you want to look into and take a deeper, uh, yeah, take a deeper look into today? Yeah, so all of James four is super good. Uh, there's so much to say about this chapter, but I think in light of what's going on in our world, with the COVID-19 outbreak and with all the transition that Ellen and I are experiencing personally, I think we'd like to take a closer look at the end of chapter four. Mm. Uh, frankly, and I know Ellen and I have said this a thousand times recently, but we've seen a lot of ourselves in the person that James describes here. Uh, so mm. Kyle, do you want to read James 4, 13 through 17 for us? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, James chapter four, uh, verses 13 through 17. It says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil, so it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. So what would you say uh, in light of this, this passage uh, what is the main point that you want us to walk away with today? The main point today is that your life is a vapor. So live humbly and obediently. Mm. Mm, that's good. <laughs> that's really good. It's really simple, <laughs> uh, really to the point. Um, and that should definitely change, change the way uh, we live. So what do you mean uh, by this analogy of a vapor? What is a vapor? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think it's definitely maybe a a funny or even bleak word to use to describe our lives. But James actually tells us a little bit about what he means by vapor. He says that we are like a vapor that appears for a little while before vanishing. So it's like temporary, it's fleeting. And Ellen mentioned James reading a lot like Old Testament wisdom literature. And this particular part of James makes me think a lot about Ecclesiastes. Mm -hmm. So in Ecclesiastes, the preacher who's uh, preaching this sermon famously starts out by saying, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And then he goes on to talk about all these things that he spent time investing in, whether that's wisdom, self-indulgence, work. And he concludes that all these things are vanity and that chasing them is like striving after the wind. So in Hebrew, the word for vanity can also mean mist, vapor, or mere breath. So he's saying that all of these things are fleeting and are ultimately not worth putting all of our efforts in and all of our hope in. So one day, each of us will die and return to dust, and all of us, and I think James highlights this too, rich and poor, the wise person and the fool, will perish with no enduring remembrance. Yeah, that's good. I think anyone who's read uh, Ecclesiastes in particular definitely walks away, um, at least immediately when you read that first couple chapters, you, it's not, it seems pretty morbid, and honestly, without yeah. hope, and it's, 
you could definitely leave discouraged. Like you wouldn't want to just be like, if somebody wants to be, yeah. encouraged, don't send them to Ecclesiastes immediately. Um, but I yeah. think there's something, there's something below the surface there that can actually be encouraging. So on the surface, it might seem pretty morbid, but what would you say, um, what hope do we have uh, thinking about our lives as a vapor? Yeah. So our lives are like a vapor. So they're temporary and finite. And James says that we have limited knowledge and even the things we do have knowledge about, we have limited power to change those things. Mm -hmm. So basically we're not God. That's what Mm -hmm. he's saying. But the good news is that God is God. So Mm -hmm. while our knowledge is limited and finite, God's knowledge is infinite and eternal. And while we have very little power and control, the Bible says that Jesus is before all things and holding all things together. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That is good news, right? It's like, it's, it seems like bad news to us that, that we are in control, but as we reflect on who God is and who, um, and how good and and wonderful he is and the the fact that he's in control, um, that can for sure bring us good news. So what does this have to do uh, with us making plans? Right. So we're actually wrestling with that reality right now as a society. I think that like this pandemic has really shattered any illusion we had about the control we have over our health our loved ones health, uh, helps, our schedules, our work, and even church. So James is essentially shattering that illusion of control. Mm-hmm. He presents us with a person, probably an affluent person, since the example he mentions uh, is someone doing business and trading. And this person says that today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And then James reminds this person, like, hey, you're a vapor. He's essentially telling them that they're planning as if they're invincible, as if they're God. And he's pointing out that there's arrogance behind that type of planning. Mm. So, so he's only critiquing like a certain kind of planning, right? Not like all planning. Yes. This is not a call to live like a drifter and never plan anything. (laughs) So being obedient to the command that James is giving here doesn't mean you have to end every sentence with if the Lord wills, like someone asks you what your plans are for dinner tonight, you don't have to say Chipotle. Lord should, we, should we go get ice cream uh, if the Lord wills? <laughs> if the Lord wills, yeah. <laughs> Just give it all up and live in a van. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never Down anything. by the river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually the Bible views planning and preparation as a virtue. So it's not the planning of something that's sinful necessarily, but rather the heart behind our plan making. Mm. So James is calling his readers to plan as if they're not God because they're not. And since human plans and even our very existence in this world are temporary, we ought to take heart to eternal matters. Our human plans should be fueled by those greater realities. Yeah, I love that. Um, Yeah, I love everything you just said. There's this great quote um, that says, learn to hold loosely all that is not eternal. I think that's just such a poignant reminder of everything that you just said, Brooke, about how we can wisely make plans. um, But when we cling to these temporal plans with some kind of eternal grip, we really do assume the role of God um, mm-hmm. rather than the alternative, which to, is to embrace the way that God made us, you know, as finite creatures who are designed to sit under the rule and reign of a sovereign God. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's such a good thing to acknowledge our creatureliness and the fact that we are not the creator, um, mm-hmm. but we are creatures um, who are made yeah. in the image of a loving God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's really good. And I think it's, um, like, as we read this passage and see that, it's like, okay, duh, like, God is God, right, and we're not, and so it's easy to, like, assume this in the abstract, but I think it can be more difficult as we reflect on our lives and actually think about, like, the practical implications um, of that, so how have y'all been wrestling with uh, wise planning versus arrogant planning in this season of your life in particular? 
Yeah, it's like in a million ways. <laughs> um, but one that like immediately comes to mind. So my husband Slater uh, has moved like a dozen times since college. And as we've been preparing to move to Charlotte and, you know, house shopping, we have been talking about our desire for a forever home. In fact, I think like we've even gone so far as to explicitly say that our greatest desire is to never move again. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like this passage has been particularly convicting because it reminds me not to place my hope in a forever home. Like I'm not God. And as much yeah. as we can hope and plan to stay in Charlotte long term, and that is our plan. The reality is that we are always one phone call away from having our plans completely shattered. Like mm -hmm. Slater could lose his job. Our house could burn down. The church mm -hmm. plant could fail. Like mm -hmm. any number of things could turn our plans completely on their heads. Mm -hmm. So the wisdom James offers us is not that we shouldn't plan because you never know what might happen. Rather, he's calling us to view our home in light of the forever home that he's preparing for us. Mm. So like because we have a greater citizenship in heaven, there you go, quote to or nod to citizens church. We have this greater citizenship in heaven. It shouldn't allow us to move freely here on earth. It means that we ought to steward our home and this season of life with wisdom and humility and generosity. Really good. And that reminds me of something Pastor Jamal keeps hitting on. Um, and that we recently talked about in this in this series that we're called to live as pilgrims in this world, right? And not yes. as tourists, not not tourists who just make our own plans and map out, you know, everything we want to do and see, uh, but humble pilgrims who um, yeah, who live in light of the, our forever home in heaven. Uh, that's, that's really yeah. good. Yeah. So Ellen, uh, what, what about you? How is this? Uh, yeah. What, how are you wrestling with this and in, in the season of life? Yeah, man, I just think about the current state of everything going on around us with COVID-19 really shutting everything down. Um, when, I know when I envisioned leaving Louisville, it was literally never like this. Um, as I've been calling people to let them know my moving plans, they've been saying, how are you doing? And all I can really say is I literally never envisioned mm -hmm. me leaving Louisville like this. You know, I thought I was going to be able to say goodbye to all my friends, do all my favorite Louisville things, go to my favorite restaurants. Mm -hmm. you know, I really had this vision of being able to say goodbye really well and on my own terms. Um, I obviously none of us could have predicted that this would happen um and so this this pandemic has really been one of those things that has revealed what has always been true and that is that we are not in control of our plans um so despite how crazy everything has been it's actually been a really sweet season to embrace the unknown of what the future holds um and that's really only possible because i am being held fast by a god whose gaze is far wiser and far better than mine um and so this pandemic, although obviously unwanted, it's been a really tangible reminder that my life is a vapor mm -hmm. and I do not know what the future holds, but I can step forward confidently into this next season because of Christ. Um, there's this quote I love from a book of liturgies that says something along the lines of, it is only false hopes that are brittle. And that's mm -hmm. just so true because when things seem to shake and shatter around me, I know that like those things are breaking because they're not ultimate. And I can persevere in the middle of the unknown or in the middle of the uncertainty of everything happening around me. I can persevere because my truest hope has never failed and it will never fail because my truest hope is found in Christ. Um, so yeah, even though it's definitely been like a lot of hard things, a lot of, um, a lot of nights just kind of looking around saying like, oh man, can you even believe that this is happening? Um, I think that God has really met me in the midst of that and it has been um, sweet to really kind of reorient my heart, um, around him. Yeah, no, that's really good. 
That's really good. And it, it's amazing to think, I mean, because you said our, a lot of our false hopes and our plans, I think we hold on to them as they're secure, but we have to realize how mm. brittle. I like that quote. It's, it's like that. They're, they're brittle um, and they're mm. easily breakable. But it reminds me of the scripture that says that like our hope is secure and like seated in the heavens. Like our hope is Christ. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that hope is secure. It's not brittle. It's not yeah. breakable. Um, and so we should really put all of our yeah. hope. Um, and in that, we can pray that God would like shake and shatter everything in our lives that is not, uh, is not of him. You know, we can really pray that God would, would strip those things away from us. And yeah. sometimes it takes a pandemic to make that, make that known. Um, and that's a, that's a scary prayer and sometimes a dangerous prayer. Yeah. Um, but I think we're all better for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's times like this that really like, uh, just like sift our hopes, right? It's almost like mm-hmm. a filter that really just like, at the end of it, like, hopefully the only thing that's going to come out is, is Christ, like, is our, mm-hmm. our foundation and our security in him. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really good. So practically, uh, how do we know whether we are planning wisely or planning uh, arrogantly? How can we really discern that? In light of yeah, so I think there's probably two, there's probably more, but I was thinking of two heart check questions that we can ask ourselves to determine if there's arrogance behind our planning. So the first is to ask how we react when our plans change. So like we've already said, this is something we're all facing in this season. Ouch. Like, yeah, everyone I know is coping with a change of plans to some degree because of the pandemic, like mm-hmm. canceling weddings and mm-hmm. canceling baby showers or moving yeah, without are, being able to say goodbye. Those are no small things either. No, they're big things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> graduation being canceled for all of uh, all students. It's really hard. And so the challenge is to ask, how am I doing with that? Am I devastated? Have I gotten angry? Have I lashed out at the people around me? Am I developing a sense of apathy? Maybe I've turned to escapism in the form of overconsumption of media. Have I turned to like old sinful patterns of living? I think this is a good question to ask in community too, since we can often be blind to our own reactions with our own plans. And the answer to this question can be helpful in determining idols that we might be worshiping, like those things that we're putting, that are brittle, that we're putting our hope in, whether that's comfort, approval, power, control. And so the second question is similar, but with slight variation. So how do you react when your plans are threatened? Uh, so for example, if you're in a serious relationship and you're talking about getting married and your friends or parents or whoever make the suggestion that you wait longer than you had planned to get married, how do you respond? It's like a big thing. Mm-hmm. If you're planning an event for work and your supervisor gives you a bunch of suggestions that maybe don't fit in with your original vision, how do you respond? Again, mm-hmm. I think that this is a good question to ask in community because I think as a general rule, our friends have a better pulse on how we respond to our plans being threatened than we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's crazy how like that immediate response in the moment really reveals like the nature of our heart, right? It's like whenever you're like brushed up with that, it's like immediately reflect like where where's my mind going? Am I am I humbly receiving this and I'm am I being wise or am I uh, responding out of anger and lashing out in frustration because my plans are disrupted? Um, yeah, that's so yeah. true, especially when people. Uh, you know, want to bring truth to you from scripture mm-hmm. when, when you kind of, there, there's this icky thing in our heart sometimes that just doesn't want to hear that God is in control. Um, we just don't want to be encouraged by those things. So. Mm. That's really good. And I think that just emphasizes the point all the more that like one of the, of our primary like postures as Christians is to be humble, right? And like the, the passage mm-hmm. previously before this in, in James, the section like one through 12, um, like 
he, he really talks about like prayer and he says you ask not because you have not and it's like they're not asked mm-hmm. or you no know, you have not because you ask not and like you ask not because you ask or you have not because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions that's a that's a word twister um <laughs> but ultimately he's he's gonna bring it all back in verse 12 and say like you're you're not humble like you're not humbly depending mm-hmm. upon god um and whenever we're not humble we're not willing to submit our plans uh to god and his will and what he has for us mm-hmm. and we're not trusting that his plans are, are better and that he's good and wise um in all that he does so yeah. um bringing all this back to the main point uh do we what uh what should we walk away with at the end of the day and what what questions do we have uh, for our students to wrestle with this week yeah. So like we said at the beginning, your, your life is like a vapor. So you ought to live humbly and obediently. So remember that your life and all of your plans are ultimately determined by God. So mm. plan wisely and hold your plans loosely and be open to a change of plans. And while you're planning, remember that there is no sacred and secular divide in God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's not as if God only cares about your church plans or your personal devotional plans. All of your plans are sacred to him, even your plans about work and school and relationships. And so a few questions you can ask yourself this week as you're thinking about these things. Firstly, what idols might be driving factors behind my plan making? For example, in the midst of this pandemic, is an idol of comfort driving your reaction to having to socially distance yourself from your friends and family? So really big one. Um, the second one, so I was thinking about Jamal's sermon on Ash Wednesday, and he challenged our church to pray that God by his spirit would teach us to number our days so that we could gain a spirit of wisdom. It's just kind of crazy all that's happened since Mm -hmm. he gave that sermon Mm -hmm. and how we are literally in a lot of ways numbering our days. Mm -hmm. And so a question for us is how can you learn to do that? How can you learn to number your days? Maybe spend some time meditating on scripture that reminds you of the brevity of your own life, the fact that you're a vapor. And then ask, Mm -hmm. how does that affect your decision-making? How does that affect the way that you plan for things? Uh, And then as you're thinking through these things, post your comments and your thoughts and any verses that are jumping out at you in the James Group Study Slack. All right. Well, Brooke and Ellen, thank you all so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been it's been a joy hosting you too. It's been fun uh, <laughs> trying to yeah, figure all this out. Um, but we're really sad to be losing y'all. And I know y'all, y'all have been a huge blessing uh, to this ministry over the past two years. And um, we're really sad to be losing you uh, in, in this pandemic and not to be able to throw up a big party and uh, really see you guys off the way you deserve uh, to be seen off. But um, just know that we're, we're praying for you and we're thankful for you. And um, yeah, just thanks. Thanks for joining us today. So uh, thanks again for sharing your reflections and um, you've been listening to the Southern College podcast where we engage in God's word in a way that transforms us. Uh, don't forget to post your reflections in the Slack channel. Um, and we'll be actually wrapping up our book study through James this next week. So don't forget to tune in. Take care, everyone. Thank you.